nerds welcome to horror movie club the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite news choose a horror movie each week to rate and review today we are talking about house of a thousand corpses from 2003 directed and written by rob zombie starring sid haig bill mosley and sherry moon this movie is about a group of 20-somethings who take a road trip to the boonies in search for info on a local legend known as Dr. Satan, and they encounter a sadistic family that holds them hostage. I chose this one because I feel like this little uh, hillbilly horror subgenre, or whatever you want to call it, is a hole of mine. And I didn't think I liked this subgenre, but then we, on our rewatch, or rewatch for me anyway, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I really liked it. And so I wanted to delve more into these. Ashwin, how do you feel about this genre? Have you seen many of them? No, I, I feel like uh, I haven't. Uh, te- I like Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre a lot. Uh, what are some other big ones in this genre? Hills Have Eyes, I think, is the other really big one. Oh yeah. What about that one um, that takes place in like Southern Ohio? Um, oh, Deliverance. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah, it's that kind of okay. Um, yeah, it's 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 a weird. Uh, would you consider a cabin fever in a way uh, to to be hillbilly horror? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I really thought about like I, maybe we talked about this in Cabin Fever, but that whole like us versus them rule of or urban versus rural and like the the stereotyping and like the the, the yeah the dynamic between the two. Uh, yeah, th- that's kind of yeah the core of this, right? Yeah, I think so. And I I'm, forgive me, listeners, if I I repeat myself throughout the course of this podcast, but there's something in that Men, Women, and Chainsaws book. There's a good chunk of it that's kind of about this city versus country thing. Yeah, and she talks about. It, when I first read it, it sounded like eye-rolling academia, but mm-hmm. then the more I thought about it, it was I was it made sense. She says the city approaches the country guilty, mm-hmm. like it, like the movies kind of touch upon this thing of like when you go to the boonies, you kind of think maybe you're better than those people. Oh, it gives you like this sense of like entitlement. Yeah, and like you feel some inner guilt about that and these movies somewhat address these like i think in deliverance yeah. she talks about how the people the dudes were from the city and this rural area was about to get devastated by some new i don't know if it was like a water plant that would f- give water to the city or something that would benefit the city while like devastating the countryside yeah yeah so that was an example she used in that and then i noticed that in the hills have eyes and this and maybe in texas chainsaw massacre massacre there's at least one scene where one of the hillbilly characters is like oh you think you're better than us and we're just a bunch yeah. of bum fuck whatever and yeah it, it kind of made sense what she said yeah. after i thought more about these movies and, and watched more of them yeah i <laughs> would you consider like the 2016 election like the scariest uh rule versus <laughs> urban yeah, film. man, that's what I can't remember if we said it in another podcast. I really wouldn't be surprised if this subgenre makes a resurgence because yeah. we're so divided as a country right now. And I yeah. think a lot of the uh, coastal elites consider, you know, anybody who has more conservative views is a little bit of like a backwards hillbilly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that yeah, you're right. The divide is like more than it's ever been before. So yeah, it makes sense that that would come back. Yeah. Um, do you remember, uh, what was that movie? I remember watching it a long time ago, Tucker and Dale or something, uh, Dale and Tucker. Yeah. That's kind of like a nice flip on the, the genre. Yeah. That was really creative. I, I, 
Yeah, I like that one too. That was, that was really funny. And uh, it was cool to see the rules reversed, I guess. And it, I, I kind of want to see more movies like that where it, it drops this one where like the, the rural people are the, the scary people and it uh, looks more like the city people as being the scary ones. Right, right. Agreed. That'd be fun. Sid Haig, who plays Captain Spaulding, he passed away a couple of months ago. Yeah, I was reading about that. That's too bad. Was this his like most signature role or was he known for anything else? He was also in Kill Bill Volume 2, Bone Tomahawk, Lords of Salem. Um, but yeah, this is, and Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween, but this is, I think, his most recognizable role. And um, for any listeners who don't know, this spawned two sequels, The Devil's Rejects in 05 and Three from Hell, just this year, 2019, and he was in both of those too. Oh, okay. Yeah, those both follow the three three core members of the family or who end up being like the core members Captain Spaulding Baby who's Sherry Moon and Otis who was Bill Mosley in this they're kind of yeah. like the most memorable characters from this movie yeah yeah that makes sense and then the other actor died tiny he, he passed away a while ago right oh yeah I think so he's, he's like the giant mm-hmm yep yeah and I think the uh, the grandpa it, maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. recently but he's he's since passed away since this movie yeah. Have you seen uh, other of Rob Zombie's work? No, man. This is not only is Hillbilly Horror a bit of a hole for me, but so is Rob Zombie in general. This is the yeah. only Rob Zombie movie I've ever seen. I know. Me too. I want to cover more of these because uh, our boy Blake, who started our Discord server, I I think he's a pretty big Rob Zombie fan and, and Hillbilly Horror in general. So. Yeah. Um. You know Rob Zombie's music, though? You've listened to uh, his band? Uh, I I never really got into it, but I dug more human than human when I was a kid. Um, What? Was that? That that was Rob Zombie? It was White Zombie. And he was a part of White Zombie? Yep. Ah, shit. I never connected that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I like that song, too. That was a great one. Yeah. Uh, I thought... Uh, uh, he had that song like "Burn with the Witches," uh, something, something, yay, yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dragula. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, shit, I didn't realize it was White Zombies. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his music had horror imagery throughout. Um, but yeah, no big, big hole for me too. And I've heard good things about his Halloween uh, series. The films. It's that a he polarizing did. one. I think it's a love-hate thing. Okay. Yeah, we should get around to that sometime. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I plan to. Um, and he scored this movie. I thought the score to this movie was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like. So you could definitely tell. I, I thought it was him and one other guy, and you could tell like when his stuff kicks in. It's like very, uh, almost like kind of uh, electronic, but like pretty dark and heavy. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, yeah. kind of some... It, it's like that sound when you can't tell if it's a synth or just a really heavily... Uh, a guitar with heavy effects on it yeah 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 Yeah, i dug it yeah i did too so this uh this movie was inspired by the work he was doing on a haunted house is that right yeah he was designing a haunted house at universal studios that kind of i read i don't know how true this is that that house was instrumental in reviving the halloween horror nights at universal Oh uh, yeah, I yeah I went to that, and I, I think I remember seeing uh, this was one of the houses. But I, I kind of thought watching this movie, you could really get that feel like this is might be like more of a. kind of watching the movie is kind of like walking through a haunted house in a way. 
For sure, yeah. And I thought there was a lot of detail, um, a lot of attention paid to the detail, like the production design, every room that you saw, everything you saw on screen. Like, yeah, it seemed a lot of effort was put into it, looking very creepy. Yeah, yeah. The feel was definitely. Yeah, they put a lot into that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciated that. It just a lot like his music felt like quite an homage to horror in general. Right. Yeah. Um. And uh, he wasn't, uh, it sounded like he wasn't like, in retrospect, he isn't like very proud of this movie. Did you see anything about that? Yeah, I thought, I saw where he said he just sees flaw after flaw after flaw. Yeah. And uh, I, I could, yeah. I could agree, not, I don't agree. We'll talk about that more in the review, but I could like picture myself in his shoes watching this movie being like, oh, why did I do that? Or that's weird. That didn't make sense. Cause it's a very it takes a lot of risk as a movie it's not a very yeah. traditional format right yeah yeah you're right um and i mean i, I guess like this is his first like debut as well uh right. dictatorial He'd done so, music I mean, videos before this but sure first like film i guess and uh i, I guess like yeah, anyone who's like done multiple projects or something your first one you're always going to look at with uh you know i wish i'd done something differently right right of course yeah yeah, he took a lot right. of risks here, which I appreciate. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Yeah. I, I was um, shocked to see Rain Wilson in this. Yeah, right? Yeah, Quite true. I didn't see that. It's crazy. So, dude, I am starting to appreciate, I feel like, when we started this podcast, I didn't fully like understand the nerd culture around horror movies, but mm-hmm. over the past year and a half, I've appreciated it more and more. And as we've covered so many of these movies where they're cut like crazy for gore, mm-hmm. I find myself really wanting to get my hands on the director's cuts. Oh, really? Like, this is another one that was, like, NC-17 at first, or they were afraid it was going to be, so they cut a ton of the gore out and a ton of yeah. the more risque scenes. And I don't even own movies for the most part, but I'm like, oh, I want to I wanna get an uncut version of like My Bloody Valentine or this one or any of the Friday the 13th that got cut, even though I'm not always crazy about the movies. I'm just curious. You you, you want to see the gore? I do. I like gore better than you do. I'm not necessarily oh, yeah. a gore fanatic, but... Yeah, I can't stomach it, it man. He, even, like, the little amount that's in this one, like, it was kind of hard for me to watch. And it's not necessarily even the gore for me. It's just like, oh, like, there was something that the director wanted to be in there that somebody yeah. decided was too much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I'm fine. I don't need to see everything that was cut. Like if the director chose to drop it, that's fine. But if it wasn't yeah. his choice or her choice, it kind of pisses me off. That's true. And, and there's also like, uh, some arts to gore, right? Like uh, how, how they did it. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, the practical effects and everything. Yeah, and to a certain extent, I feel like it can mess with the entire flow of the movie. Like, sure, you know, there's a little bit of a rhythm that you're supposed to follow, or an emotional journey that you're supposed to be on with ups and downs and and cliffhangers and stuff. And I think if you take out a really gory scene, it can kind of something that was built up and built up falls flat. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, it's not really true to the movie, I guess. Uh, and yeah, it would be really interesting to see how, how much of a difference it makes by watching the uncut ones. Yeah. At least, at least yeah. we're in an age where you have access to that now, right? For the most, I mean, a lot of companies are releasing a lot of like 
underground movies or, or director's cuts and stuff, but this one has never been released, a director's cut. Oh, interesting. I actually yeah. thought this movie had the opposite, where, like, they shot the film, and then he went back into his basement and, like, shot these other footage, uh, some other footage that he put, went back and put into the movie. Um, so, the, But there still were, like, other scenes that didn't make it in? Yeah. Yeah, okay. so there's a bunch of non-sequiturs scattered throughout the movie. Um, and, yeah, a lot of those were filmed in his basement. But some of the, it was some stuff that was filmed in his basement, some other stuff. It was basically just stuff that was considered too gory that was cut out. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So the history of it is, yeah, he got the idea when he was designing the Haunted House at Universal. He pitched Universal his idea. They greenlit it. It was filmed in 2000, but Universal was afraid it would get an NC-17, and so they shelved it. Yeah. And then Zombie bought the rights back and sold it to Lionsgate, but even they cut it to yep. a certain extent. Yeah. So that's why it was three years between filming and release. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I'm hoping, like, in, in the modern day, like, the channels are more direct where, like, you're not relying on these uh, big, like, studios or uh, distribution companies that are going to, like, cut up your film and you have more of, more of a means to get, like, films directly into the hands of customers, like, the, the, the way you made it. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting to see. I think that might be hard for people just financially, but I think there is a growing amount of small... I don't know. It's an interesting market because you've got like Disney buying everything, but then you've got like the A24s or yeah, little companies called, somebody called out one on Twitter called Spectre Vision, like small film distribution companies that are willing to take a risk on weird stuff. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of, uh, I think we watched this last year, The Terrifier, and that was like one of the grossest movies I've seen and it came direct to, it was on Netflix. Um, yeah. Do you think, like, uh, you know, if this movie was made today, like, Netflix would be a place there where they wouldn't have made any cuts and just allowed it as is? Yeah, for sure. This might have done done better as, like, a non-wide theatrical release. I don't... Three from Hell had a theatrical release, but I don't think it was a wide release, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, I do think maybe that's the right distribution method for it. Um, And, yeah, just the fact that Terrifier, regardless of how I felt about that movie or the scenes that were included, like, I think it's a good sign that that came out. Yeah. Uncut from what we know. I'd be surprised if there was something <laughs> that didn't make it into the final cut of that Jeez. movie. I hope not. That was, that was pretty hard to watch as it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if that's still an issue today. Yeah. Um, anything else on this movie before I hit that Ohio connection and keep rolling? Uh, just that like the reviews are pretty low, right? C plus. Yeah, 20%. it did not get uh, good critical reviews when it was released, but it's got quite a cult following I think yep and fairly decent box office I think it like doubled its budget so hopefully it made it's I, I feel like it's made money probably yeah I mean traditionally if you double the box office if you double your budget at the box office it's not enough to make yeah. money but um, it's hard with the history and the back and forth on this one and the budget number was reported a few different numbers a few different times so 7 million budget, 16.8 box office. I don't know how real that 7 million is. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Zombie was quoted as saying that uh, Lionsgate did get their money back. So I don't oh, know how okay. much they ended up paying for the film. Probably less than the budget. Yeah, and the big picture, though, I mean, it spawned like a haunted house that's like been in play for years, uh, you know, a series right. of other films. So I, I guess. Yeah, and then there's like, also the, the back end, like DVD sales and stuff like that, that we, yeah. the numbers aren't, aren't, public or accessible by right 
and it's got like, a, like us exactly and it's got a decent like cult following i think rob zombie in general has a decent cult following sure <laughs> yeah that sounds about right yeah uh dude did you notice that this movie started with a clip of like a fake fake horror host named dr wolfenstein yeah yeah do you ever remember the ghoul cleveland's own famous horror host oh that sounds really familiar i think i remember seeing this on tv uh it was was it black and white too uh i can't i don't think he was black and white no okay uh, um, but he was like on from the 70s to the late 90s or something he had like uh-huh. three decades of work and he was broadcast throughout the midwest and other really big cities nice that's awesome so he was kind of a big deal yeah yeah that sounds really familiar i'm gonna look him up after this yeah yeah i will too because i i have a memory but I, I need to do some googling to see make sure my memory matches yeah the reality <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a good connection. Uh, anything else before we move on to the plot and spoil everything? No, I'm good. Cool. All right, man, well, I'll be right back. I've got to go cook dinner for my family. All right, cool. All right, I'll be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm I'm back. Cool. Is dinner all done? You know, it was it was kind of weird. We weren't really able to eat what we intended to. I was gonna uh, cook up some fish, but once I got it out of the package, I realized that it was half fish, half human. Ah, oh, man. So yeah, naturally <laughs> yes. we couldn't eat it. Not only was it half human, but I'm pretty sure it was Dwight Dwight Schrute on the other half of it. <laughs> oh, you got the Dwight fish. <laughs> <laughs> It's an Atlantic Dwight fish tonight. It's very yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, you always got to check at the grocery store when you're picking those those fish. You know, <laughs> make sure it's full fish. Just look for uh, look for anything that looks like toenails. <laughs> yeah, anything that comes from a beet farm. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, man, it was kind of like a tusk flashback all over again. Oh yeah, half man, half uh, water creature. Half sea creature. Yeah. Okay, man. So the plot, there's not too much of a plot here, but um, it's a group of 20 somethings, her teens. I don't really know their ages. They're on this road trip. They're trying to write a book on roadside attractions. And they happen upon this gas station run by Sid Haig, who's, who plays Captain Spaulding in the movie. And it, the gas, station's, gas station is attached to like a ride slash attraction called the Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. And at this point, Ashwin, I realize how important gas stations are to movies, horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like convenience stores. We've seen a lot of movies that kind of hinge on that. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they stop at a gas station and he directs them yeah. to the house. Yeah. Um, Hill, Hills Have Eyes, like the convenience store is kind of a focal point. Ah, that's really interesting. It's kind of like a trope. Uh, yeah, like there's just like No Country for Old Men has that creepy convenience store gas station oh, yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's all that's out there, right? In the country, if you're like driving. That's the thing. Roads. I think that's why it's like, if you're doing this type of movie, then yeah, that's all that's out there sometimes. So anyway, they they learn from Captain Spaulding about this local legend called Doctor Satan, or maybe they had heard tell of it before. 
and they're trying to seek it out and he gives them directions on how they can find out more about it or find the tree where Dr. Satan was hung from. Uh, and I think Dr. Satan was like somebody who did experiments on people or something. I think so. So they're trying yeah. to drive the, yeah. They're trying to drive there and they pick up a hitchhiker along the way. The hitchhiker is Baby, played by Sherry Moon. Who's uh, Rob that, Zombie's wife, is that right? Rob Zombie's wife. We hadn't mentioned that yet. Yeah. Sherry Moon Zombie now. And they're driving with her and their tire blows out. She takes one of the dudes, Dwight Shute, to her house to call for help. And then somewhere along the way, I think, does she send her brother out to come get the rest of the kids and take them to their place too? Yeah, I think that's what happens. Yeah. And it's just one big, weird family at this house. Uh, It's all very strange. They have this really weird Halloween ritual at dinner. Um, And it's kind of creepy and off-putting, but the kids don't necessarily seem that creeped out. Uh, The two guys don't, but I feel like the girls, like, throughout are like, what the hell's going on? We need to get out of here. Yeah, that's true. The guys are just like, oh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they tell them that their car is fixed, and then essentially after they get in their car, they just come out and assault them and imprison them all or torture or kill them. Um, everybody has a slightly different fate. Uh, um, I really liked uh, that attack scene because like, they're dressed up uh, as like scarecrows, um, and they just kind of attack the car out of nowhere. Yeah, yep. That was, that was really cool. Um, and throughout this movie, there are these non sequiturs where it just cuts away to like a home video, maybe, of some of these characters. Yeah. On this grainy, like 16 millimeter footage. Yeah. Where there's I, I even didn't... like other footage of this horror host or other movies. It's kind of a choppy editing job. It's, it's yeah. very erratic. It is. It's like someone was like too, uh, like, like splicing, like when, when crazy, I'm like splicing in all this footage. Uh, just like, I, I don't know. Maybe just to create an atmosphere, but it kind of detracts from the story a little bit. Yeah, it definitely does create atmosphere. It's almost like a music video. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Um, So one of these women is being kind of like tied up and trapped, and um, what Otis pulls off this blanket in the corner to reveal that Dwight Schrute has now been turned into like what he calls fish boy. He's like mutilated body is half man half fish it's like this weird sculpture and yep. the other dude I think is scalped one of them's tied to a bed um, I feel like it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily important what happens to these people in the house but they're basically just being tortured Yep. and one of the girls her dad she doesn't come home obviously and her dad calls the cops and so him and these local cops come out to investigate the house and find the bodies of these cheerleaders who we know have been missing from earlier in the movie. And the family then kills these cops. They just shoot them all, right? Yeah, that was that was a, a dark scene because I, I feel like the music was really good and like it's like really coordinated in in like one sequence where like they kill the cop inside, the two guys outside in slow motion uh, discover one of like the, the the rooms with the bodies in it. And then they're just like taken down by uh, these guys. So I thought that was a really well like sequenced and choreographed scene. Yeah, yeah, and that was maybe some of the more emotional parts of the movie too, because you get you spend a little bit of time with these cops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas the characters, like the the teens or twenty somethings or whatever, they don't you don't really care about them. 
Yeah, you don't. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, that, that's one thing throughout is like the, the kids, they, they all kind of seem like assholes. You don't really care about them that much. Right. Right. And Zombie kind of says that, like, I know people won't give a shit about the kids and they're more interested in the family. Right. Yep. And the bad guys were kind of meant to be the stars and, and, and so it went with the sequels. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. From what I know, but I haven't seen those. Yeah, this was a movie like really focused on the bad guys, and and I think that gives you like a sense throughout the movie like uh, you're not really invested in the the serv- like the victims at all. Yeah, indeed. Um, so eventually, they take these kids uh, out into this field one night for I think it's Halloween night to perform some sort of ritual, mm-hmm. and one of them gets the jump on them and runs away, but Baby tracks her down and stabs her to death, and. The other two remaining, because one got fishboyed and one just got stabbed to death. So there's a boy, a man and a woman left, and they're lowered down in this casket into this well. And when they get down there, there are all these creepy people, like, clawing at them and stuff. It sounded like they were going to eat them, or that was my impression. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the woman gets away and starts running through basically was kind of an underground tunnel system down in this well and the hallways are kind of lined with corpses and skeletal remains and she stumbles upon this operating room where Dr. Satan is doing medical experiments Uh, and I think we pieced together that the people who were like clawing at them as they got down the well were the failed experiments oh that makes sense and she then is running away. Dr. Sen- Satan sends a henchman after her, um, and there's a chase, theme, chase scene through these tunnels, which I thought this was the best scene of the movie. I really like this ending. Yeah, I like that. This is, I felt like a climax. Like, there's actual, like, someone who has a chance where, like, throughout the movie, they're kind of tied up. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like, like the movie itself didn't have too... The narrative wasn't very prominent, but then all of a sudden, you've got this pretty tense climax. Um... Kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, actually. Oh, yeah, right. Girl on the run. Um, and he eventually, I think he's like swinging at her or something, and he makes the tunnels cave in on him, kind of like Super Shredder or the uh, dude from My Bloody Valentine. And she passes out, wakes up in the morning, makes her way to the road and flags down a car, and it's Captain Spaulding driving. And he acts all concerned, and he's going to take her to a hospital, and then we see Otis sit up in the back seat with a knife. And then Wikipedia said she... I, I remembered the movie ending here, but Wikipedia said she later wakes up on Dr. Satan's operating table. Do you remember that? Yeah, she wakes up uh, right after that, and uh, it's like all red, so I, I think you assume that like she was on his table, because that's like where he was doing the experiments, and it was like a red oh. room. Right, right. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I watched this movie in like three separate middle of the night sittings while I was up with my kids. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think my, my assumption was like at the end, she's like back on the operating table pretty much. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, what do you think of this movie, man? Yeah, I mean, for the first Rob Zombie film I'm seeing, like, I, I really like uh, his style, like, definitely sticks out. Uh, I, I thought, like, costume design was great. A part of it did feel like. Uh, he like had this haunted house built out and like you walk into it and you're like how do I make a movie in this haunted house and that's kind of like the what the storyline was hanging on uh, did you, you get that feeling at all yeah I I did really like the production design it to me it almost felt like an homage to horror movies and horror imagery in general like yeah 
the imagery and everything you see on the screen is creepy and it has like a very distinct vibe pretty a yeah. lot like texas chainsaw massacre did yeah right but it almost was like too many ideas at once especially with the uh interspliced home movies or tv shows or whatever it may have been yeah they try um, to cram a lot in there right and those were all like grainy 16 millimeter footage or like negative images um yeah the negative images even in the mi- oh go oh, ahead, ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say the, the negative images really bothered me because that, that's like something like an amateur videographer would like do. Like, oh, cool, look at this cool effect. Everything looks awesome it, when it's a negative. It felt a little student filmy at times, yeah. Um, and even in the main storyline, the camera is rarely still, and it like doesn't stay with one shot for long. Like, yeah, it sure. got a little better as the movie went on, but the first half of the movie was really erratic visually. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and even the storyline, I feel like it starts off kind of erratic. Uh, like, do you remember like the the beginning is actually like a robbery going on that they just like kind of kill these two guys in the in the on the gas station, right? Right. I leave, I didn't even include that part because it was I didn't think it was super pertinent. But yeah, that, I think it starts with two random dudes robbing robbing uh, Captain Spaulding's gas station. Yeah, which like has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, and yeah, yeah, I think throughout like the plot at some points did feel like the true leaders in the backdrop and like who had been kidnapped. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there were like a lot of ideas going on, um, and yeah. I, you could feel like they were trying to like put a string around it, but it was, it was hard. Yeah, it was a little bit of a kitchen sink approach. It was kind of like throwing everything to the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Yep. I I did really enjoy like all the attack scenes, like when they. Uh, pounce on them as the scarecrows and then when they take the cops down i thought those are really cool scenes and then like the ending uh chase and uh her trying to get away and like even the visuals for like that dr satan guy i thought that was all pretty cool yeah i really liked the ending yeah yeah the ending was great uh yeah. did, did, did you uh you know one one thing the whole time though i was like yeah these guys are all gonna die like you, you don't really have a lot of hope for them and so at that end, like for a minute, they give you that uh, sense of hope. But then like as soon as that guy from uh, Captain Spaulding shows up, you kind of know she's in hot water again. Right. And that kind of like seals the deal. Like, OK, this movie's about the villains. Like it was never about these kids. Yeah. Which yeah. keeps me from liking a movie to a certain extent. Like, right. N- not that I can't like a movie without that, but it's definitely going to take half star to a star away when there's no main character or or a single character arc really yeah i agree yeah i, I know you like character development and i, I feel like the, those four characters which maybe you're right they're not like the main characters and that's not the focus but you do spend like a decent portion with them and uh th- yeah they don't make sense uh like how they're together how they're friends like what they're doing out there like there's just so many things that don't really connect with those four right or even the way they're reacting to circumstances yeah yeah no yeah it just seems kind of random um but yeah. you, you like the the victim the the family i guess the, the the evil family yeah sure i i liked the aesthetic of the family um yeah and i liked some of the uh like the monologues that um otis went on and that sid Haig's character went on i actually really liked captain spaulding but there, he wasn't even in this movie that much no it's probably like 10 minutes 10 15 minutes yeah, and you didn't really even know he was connected to, th- to the family for sure until the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's one thing. Like, I thought he was kind of a good guy. Like, he, he's wearing a clown mask and stuff, so you think he's, uh, you know, like this evil person, and then you kind of think he's okay. But then, yeah, at the end, he's he's in cahoots with them. Yeah. 
Uh, I I thought uh, this guy Otis though his his acting yeah, and his monologues were were pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Oh, who was he in that one? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen that one. Oh, what? <laughs> it's, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Texas main Texas Chainsaw Two is in two the sequel the number two. Yeah, man, he he was good. I thought the acting was good. I thought the uh, the overall aesthetic I really liked. The music was good. I feel like the good and bad things about this movie are that it was really ambitious. And so, like, it tried too much, but some of the times it kind of, like, pushing it to the limits really worked. Like, in the third act, I thought the the craziness of that last, the chase scene and the underground scene really, really worked. Yeah, I agree. That was those, it kind of felt like the movie really kicked into high gear there. Uh, I liked yeah. that a lot. That was cool. Yeah, because otherwise it was just them, that just them like getting tortured without like any sense of hope or resolve, and it was, it was good to see the action play out. Yeah, yeah, there was a, there was definitely hope there, so I think that was a good that was part of the reason I liked it. I knew you started to feel like you were really with a character for the first yeah. time. Yeah, you're down to like one survivor, and there she is. Yeah, those works. Yep. Well, man, uh, zero out of five, or zero to five, Fish Boys, what do you give this? Uh, I think I would give this three. It was, it was kind of fun to watch, and like, uh, even though like the story isn't too consistent, uh, it's just, a good, it's good, like, I think, you know, yeah, it plays like a good uh, tribute to a lot of horror films. It feels like you're in a haunted house for most of it, and the scares are like pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I, I had a good time watching it. I, I'd give it three. How about you? Yeah, man, me too. Three. I feel like the uh, the aesthetic and kind of the world like he's built here is pretty intriguing. Yeah. Um, it's definitely interesting to watch. It feels like it'd be good to have on in the background of like a Halloween yeah. party or something. Yeah, really cool like visually to, to, to look at. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think the, the lack of a, much of a plot or a main character uh, keeps me from, from loving it. Yep. Uh, would you watch any of the other ones in the series? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely interested to see the uh, the next two, and I've heard that the Devil's Rejects is actually pretty different than than this oh, one. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah check that out. Probably dives yeah, into so, more of the backstory on the on the main family. Yeah, I would guess it does, and we'll definitely. I'm guessing we'd see more screen time for Captain Spaulding for really the the best ones of the of the crew. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to, to see those. Me too. Uh, anything else, man, before we close up shop? Uh, no, that's all I got. Cool. All right, everybody, that's it for our episode on House of a Thousand Corpses. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps other people find our show and makes us feel good. You can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and that is where we'll post what movie we're going to talk about next week. We also have a Discord server. There's a little icon on our website that looks vaguely like a game controller. You can click on that and join the conversation between us and some listeners and some horror movie fans um, just talking about movies and stuff. Uh, our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. You can check her out on Etsy.com. And, oh, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. For a buck a month, you can get some bonus content um, and just help to support the show. And until next time, just don't ever pick up a hitchhiker. Everybody knows that. (laughs) 